Borderlands Cooperative. Join us for critical conversations about things that matter. Every Friday at 10am on 3CR Community Radio, 855am on your dial. And on 3CR Digital and streaming live at 3cr.org.au. So together, let's think again about important matters affecting us, like economics, politics, education, health, climate, and what we can do about it all. Welcome to Think Again on Radio Radical or Radical Radio 3CR. Think Again is offered to you by Borderlands Cooperative, an organization that has been dedicated to positive social change for over 25 years. I'm Jacques Poulet and Jennifer is, has a day off today again. I'm talking with Kerry Wellington, Coordinator Partnerships, Programs and Impact at Diamond Valley Community Support about the longer-term impact of the COVID pandemic on people who her service has been trying to support throughout. Welcome to the programme, Kerry. Thanks, Jacques. Thanks so much for having me. It's um, a real privilege to be here. I really appreciate it. Mm. Regular listeners may remember the several Think Again programmes during the early month and early this year's, this year as well, on the still with us COVID-19 pandemic. We haven't called it COVID-22 yet, but we probably should. From late March 2020, we have commented on the medical, political, economic and ecological context in which the pandemic and its effects are to be understood. We discussed how it revealed the effects of the deterioration of our community-based health systems, how it more severely affected vulnerable groups, vulnerable groups and the agencies meant to care for them, how it affected asylum seekers and international students and others which were less advantaged than those who just could run to get the next vaccine. Finally, we showed how global, national and even local inequalities resulted in very unequal and inadequate vac- vaccination responses still ongoing as we speak. We have meanwhile also heard about the long-term effects of COVID, the so-called long COVID, affecting up to 10% of infected persons. We have also heard of the mental health effects, especially on children and those living on their own. We heard a lot about how COVID affected businesses, and we have heard a lot about that, and the economy. Less, of, of course, have we heard about the humongous profits made by some business because of the crisis. Our programs on the multi-billion dollar profits of the vaccine inventors and producers. Within that, admittedly, sometimes phony a phony cacophony of voices, the past and ongoing effects of the pandemic on the less advantaged in our society attracted obviously less attention. So we invited Kerry Willington to tell us more about this from the front line of welfare and community service work. So Kerry, welcome again. Uh, your agency operates in Melbourne's northeast, in northeast Banyul and Nilambik. And it just published a report titled COVID-19 Pandemic Hardship and Crisis Impact Study. It's a mouthful. 
but I don't think it indicates quite clearly what it is. It summarises the less heard about impacts of COVID on the community and on service organisations trying to respond to this crisis. So could you share with us, with our listeners, what the Diamond, Diamond Valley Community Support Service and its programmes are all about and give us a bit of a summary of what your report has found. Yeah, certainly. So um, Diamond Valley Community Support is an emergency relief material aid information and referral service um, based in uh, Melbourne's North East. We're one of um, a number of community information support services uh, that are in Victoria um, that provide this sort of support to people that are in personal and or financial crisis. Um, so what that looks like uh, at the office is um, people that come to us who are in need of food support. Um, it could be assistance with their education, uh, the, the cost of education for their children. Um, it's, there's often a, um, a wide variety of complex needs that are happening and, and circumstances for the person. Um, it can be anything from you know a job loss, um, long-term employment, mental health um, challenges, and uh, often there is housing um, issues that are going on for this person. And, um, in, and in the last couple of years, a huge increase in family violence. So we mm-hmm. offer a, um, a drop-in service. Someone um, just comes through the door and we try to, we work with the person to try and uh, address their immediate needs. Um, so what we need to do to keep them safe. Um, and uh, support them, you know, in that really immediate term to then try and refer them into a support service, a funded support service that can provide ongoing support. Um, so we receive a little bit of funding from government um, through different channels, but mostly it's through fundraising and grant writing and our social enterprises that we're able to keep our doors open. Mm-hmm. And um, we have only a few part-time um, paid staff members, and then we have a team of 140 volunteers that help to do the work that we do um, which we rely on um, heavily uh, to be able to provide that service. Mm, that's massive. So yes, just massive. To, <laughs> so just to repeat, you talked about housing, homelessness, family breakdown, violence, financial, financial crisis, food security, mental health, which you identified as the four major impact areas in your report. Could yeah. you just give us a couple of examples of how these played out in a few cases and how yeah. your agency tried to respond? Yeah, of course. So the reason we did the report, Jacques, is because we were um, having a huge increase in the number of people coming in experiencing um, multiple um, barriers to receiving support and um, and to looking after their welfare and their safety of themselves mm-hmm. and their children. Mm-hmm. And we wanted to have those voices heard because we felt that that no one was really hearing what was actually going on the ground. So um, many people were just struggling to pay rent and keep a a roof over their heads, Um, and many people were finding themselves homeless and unable to get through to housing services that could provide them um, support to actually, you know, get into a a house, a safe environment. We had people that were coming uh, because uh, many services shut their doors or started to work remotely, many people couldn't actually get through on the phones to the support that they needed through their uh-huh. caseworkers or through their um, you know, support channels. So we actually had people coming to us from, gosh, all over the place, Melton, um, Sunbury, all over different parts of Victoria that are nowhere near us, 
but they'd gone to, you know, multiple services trying to get support and could not get any support. We actually had someone drive all the way down from um, a place further regional in, the, in Victoria. They had been to 11 different services, oh, made multiple gosh. phone calls, got to us, said, now they've run out of petrol, can't get home, don't have food, don't have a house to go back to. So, uh, and this was a regular occurrence. So we um, we felt that we needed to do this survey because it needed to be we needed to do this report because those stories needed to be told, and you know the other the other really devastating part of that is the increase in family violence. Um, prior to the pandemic, we would get maybe you know um, one two maybe a handful of people disclosing family violence that they'd been experiencing, um, and then when the pandemic hit, it was uh, three four people a day, nearly every every. You know, a couple of people that were coming in through the door were talking about some sort of uh, violence that was happening for them and their children, and the and not able to get through to a family violence service mm. um, because the demand had just you know um, skyrocketed. So it's not not you know putting down the services that are there to um, to help. There was just the demand was just far too high. Mm. And as I said before, in the midst of the cacophony of presumably more important news, all of that. Got lost. Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. Mm. 100%. And, mm. the, and one of the other reasons that we felt that we needed to do this study was that, um, and I think this is the most important, uh, or one of the most important messages that needs to come out, is that um, there was all of a sudden this huge reliance on services like ours that are primarily run or, you know, serviced by volunteers to then deal with this emergency crisis stuff that was happening. Um, Mm-hmm. And that that wasn't being resourced properly. So, for example, you know, we had people coming in experiencing all sorts of really, really um, severe uh, mental health challenges. And, you know, our volunteers, they're great, but we aren't mental health professionals. Yeah. We don't get the training to provide, you know, to someone in psychosis or having, you know, um, suicidal ideation or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And we try, uh, you know, as best as we can to source a grant to get the funding to help our volunteers. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, um, and because people can't get through to the services that are properly funded, properly staffed to be able to deal with that, mm-hmm. all of a sudden we were becoming the front line for that stuff. Yeah. Um, and you know you, you can't you can't expect volunteers as good as they are and as passionate and loyal and brilliant as they are. You cannot expect volunteers to be able to respond to that need and then also be looked after in their own self care and their mm-hmm. own well being after the fact as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm. that's one of the messages that we needed to get out there because we felt like it wasn't being taken seriously yeah. at levels different mm-hmm. levels of government. Yeah, we have that. We have been talking before about uh, very early on, actually, in the pandemic, about the uh, you know the fact that volunteers are basically themselves vulnerable to uh, getting COVID, and in particularly also were not skilled up enough uh, as they yeah. are volunteers. So, yeah. apart from that, what were the what are major difficulties the agency encountered as we tried to respond? Just before we go yeah. to the break, could you just give a Sort of a bit of a summary. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think you know across the across all the services, we saw a decline in volunteer numbers for a whole range of reasons. Mm-hmm. People, you know, didn't want to um, go out. They, you know, there was concerns around their own safety with regards to COVID, and then we had burnout because 
our volunteer numbers dropped and, mm-hmm. um, you know, staff and volunteer burnout, not just volunteer burnout, um, because of the sheer number of people that we're trying to support mm-hmm. and the lack in, you know, support for our team, really. Mm, that's right. Um, and so, you know, and all of a sudden we had um, a whole lot of volunteers that we had not experienced this crisis before and we weren't prepared for it. And, you know, we had people saying, I just can't, this is beyond my ability and my willingness to be able to provide that support to someone because it's so severe. Um, and that was the biggest impact, I yeah. think, on our service. Mm. Just to let that sink in a bit, uh, let's have a little break and go to Let Love Rule, like we did last week, with Archie Roach. overcomes us and we cannot find our way although we keep on searching for the light of day and we hear the children crying and we don't know what to do gotta hold on to each other and love Let love Let it guide us through the night That we may stay together And keep our spirits calm Only fools Will shine the morning light will keep us safe from harm Oh, I cover up my ears So I cannot hear The voices of hate And the voices of fear And I cover up my eyes Cannot see what's happened to this country that used to be free. country every rock and every tree the grasslands and the desert the rivers and the sea yeah you know I love the people wherever they are from yes I love all the people 
Free CR is about community, and we welcome your participation at the station. Free CR is open to a wide diversity of volunteers, and is a great way to connect with Melbourne's activist community. Have you ever thought about volunteering, doing a reception shift, getting a program on air, training in radio skills, or contributing to one of the station's committees? There are many ways to be involved at Free CR. To find out more, go to freecr.org.au and get in touch. You're listening to Think Again, 3CR 855 AM on your dial, 3CR Digital and streaming live at 3cr.org.au. Kerry Willington from DVCS, from the Diamond Valley Community Support Services, and I are talking about the quite uncommented upon consequences of the COVID pandemic for disadvantaged communities and service users. So, Kerry, coming back to the major difficulties you summarised before the break, you mentioned quite extensively the lack of adequate volunteer capacity to respond to the requests for assistance. What factors limit your volunteer capacity, not just as a result of the pandemic, but probably also because of earlier and more general changes in the welfare and community service environment? What is yours, What are your thoughts about this? Um, yeah, so the, the limitations, I guess, with volunteers, um, I mean, there's there's a whole lot of different roles that uh, people can sort of walk into that are not too highly skilled-based or too sort of um, emotionally resource-intensive, I think, which are much easier to fill. And so we have volunteer drivers and um, pick packers and... Um, and they're all brilliant and they're all uh, super invaluable to the work that we do and we couldn't do it without them. Mm-hmm. You know, people that work on reception, people that do the data entry, people that work on projects and, and all that sort of thing that makes um, the work get done. Um, but in the community support worker role, which is where you sit down with the, with someone that comes in for help and actually, you know, go through all the different um, ways that they can be supported, I mean, the limitations around that are is that you need, um, you know, the person... The volunteer needs to be the, the sort of person that can um, have the right interpersonal skills to support someone who comes in in, in complete distress, and, and quite often that can be, um, you know, uh, anger not only towards uh, the world in general, but you know, Centrelink and the government and the rules and all that sort of stuff. But someone that's in crisis where they just don't know where they're going to sleep that night, um, mm. and. Um, and then at the, at some, you know, quite often at the end of the day, uh, we try our hardest to get them into a supported and funded service, but sometimes you actually have to turn around and say to the person, I'm sorry, but you're going to have to go and sleep in the car with your kids tonight. Now, that is a really hard thing for anyone to do, whether you've got good interpersonal skills or not, but to expect of someone who's a volunteer who's wanting to give back their time and help someone for them to have to go through that experience, I mean, that's a really traumatic experience for any person to have to say to someone, um, and that keeps happening. Um, and so I think that is a huge limitation when we get a lovely person that wants to come and help and then they experience that or they see that that's one of the job roles, that is one of the biggest limitations, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what about the, uh, because we have had the experiences at Borderlands, we are also very much based on a a lot of volunteer work, that there was a lot of breakdown basically in the support of volunteering generally, particularly also because of uh, other programs coming up, which uh, gave 
some people other ways of uh, getting help. And mm. what, what's your reaction to that? Uh, so in terms of the support for volunteers, mm -hmm. I mean, um, I think volunteers that work in or anyone that works in this kind of um, sector should be supported with the right kind of training mm. and funding and um, and supports around them. So self-care supports and access to the right training that's going to make them feel equipped. Now, you can't access that training unless you're lucky enough to put in a grant and get mm. the money to fund it. And part of my role in what I'm doing at the moment is actually around grant writing and trying to get mental health training for our volunteers, trying to mm. get, you know, uh, suicide uh, prevention training and working with, you know, people that are experiencing trauma and things like that. Um, and and that's mm. it's not freely available because it's part of the, a private, you know, the private sector that does it. And, um, and if you're unlucky to not miss out on the grant, well, essentially you can't run the training. So, mm. I mean, that's a huge shortfall to expect volunteers to be able to deliver this sort of support to people in crisis but not give them the training to do so. Mm -hmm. You know, that doesn't happen in, in any other sector. That doesn't happen. You don't walk into, you know, a mental health sector and, and, um, and see a staff member who doesn't have any training. That doesn't happen. Um, and, you know, the people that work in crisis housing, for example, they have training, they're paid, they get the support. Mm. But in the emergency relief sector, largely it's volunteers that don't get training and support. Mm. We're dealing with the mm. same issues, but without the same sort of support. Mm -hmm. And that was certainly then also exacerbated by, by COVID itself, where no one was really prepared for and where a lot of the preparation for it was also delayed unreasonably, really, when you think about it. Mm. Mm. And even now, I mean, you know, if you're lucky enough to get a grant to purchase some training packages, I mean, there's, you know, it, there is a waiting list and it costs thousands of dollars to get, you know, 10 people trained up. And if you've got a team of 30 or 40 that you've got, you know, mm -hmm. helping out, well, you know, that's $10,000 <laughs> if you're going to mm -hmm. put, put it towards it. And if, you know, you're struggling... I mean, our organisation's pretty um, lucky in terms of the fact that we have social enterprises that help us with our funding. But, I mean, mm -hmm. our core business, really, we have to tr try and provide as much funding as you can to provide food and, um, mm -hmm. and that sort of thing to people. So yeah, yeah. it's that real balance of where do you put the finite amount of money and the small amount of money that you've got? How do you best, you know, equip the service? Mm -hmm and the people that are in the service to provide the best support. Yeah, because I also know that lots of other organisations are competing for the same pool of money. Yeah, uh, oh, 100%. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And there's many smaller organisations than us that don't have social enterprise and they rely only on government um, right. funding. And if they're lucky enough to have someone that could even write grants, mm. because that's another skill that's, you know, it's very resource-intensive mm -hmm. to write grants and go for all of you know, that funding, well, you know, they have very little hope of being able to find a spare $4,000 to put pe people through mental health training. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But also I think emergency help should not really depend on uh, philanthropy, should it? That no, should be something that should be funded yeah. properly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, but, because then if the person who comes to us for support doesn't get the support that they need, mm -hmm. then that 
that escalates and goes into the next service that they try and support. Right. And not only that, you're creating a situation where you've got willing and brilliant volunteers to help, but then you're creating trauma for them and you're actually depleting the volunteer base and then that is going back out into the community. Mm. So then you're impacting the people that are wanting to help. That's right. So yeah. it just it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's sort of the cat biting her own, her own tail, basically. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Any suggestions for increasing and improving volunteer capacity in general, not just for your agency, but more generally? Yeah. As it no, as I know, it's not just you or your mm. organisation who suffer, and you're allowed to dream. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I think um, I, I think in terms of the community support worker role that we have for volunteers, I think that whilst it's great to have um, volunteers in that role, and I don't think that we should stop that completely, I think that there needs to be a funded Staffed, staff member available on every mm. shift with those volunteers to provide that support to the volunteers, um, mm-hmm. but also because, you know, it's um, it needs to be staffed. It, there's no question about it. Um, and, and also, obviously, proper training for volunteers that's funded um, at higher levels, which is, it just should be, um, you know, a normal part of the service that we provide, is mm-hmm. making sure our people are trained properly. That's right. Um, and, you know, and that that also includes um, the self-care support for the volunteer after the fact. So, I mean, you know, you've got corporate organisations that have the wonderful AEP programs and all of that sort of stuff for um, the mental health and well-being of staff members. Well, volunteers need that same sort of support, mm-hmm. and especially in this sort of role mm-hmm. where they're experiencing, you know, oftentimes um, really high exposure to trauma. Mm, that's right. That's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. And particularly so, those types of trauma, they are not yeah. not easy to deal with at all. Yeah. And no, they require I mean, time for that. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Um, and, you know, if you, I think the, the worst thing is, I mean, you can't rely on the goodwill of the volunteers from the community to take this responsibility on board. That's right. And if we're not going to acknowledge that, then what's going to happen is you're going to have fewer and fewer volunteers that are willing mm-hmm. to put themselves in that risky place where it is a risk to their well-being and their own emotional capacity. Mm-hmm. And then that's going to feed back out into the community mm-hmm. and it's going to detract from the strength of the community. That's right. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I think we've come to the end of uh, our half hour, unfortunately. So thank you so much, <laughs> yeah, Kerry. It's goes very fast, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. No, I appreciate it. Um, and sorry if I get a bit ranty. I'm a bit. No, no. I'm very passionate about it. And I think, very um, much, and so we should all be. Yeah. Uh, I think passion. <laughs> passion is the only thing which keeps many of us running. <laughs> But thank you for exactly. sharing your understanding of the often hidden effects of COVID on people who need support to cope with yeah. those effects. And it is to be hoped that some, some rapid repair work on society's capacity to deal with this issue and with mm-hmm. the issues you mentioned around uh, not just recruiting volunteers, but also supporting them ongoingly because the problems they deal with are very complex. So thanks yeah. a lot and good luck with all of what you're doing. We very much should support you both mentally, spiritually, and particularly also financially. Thanks, Jack. I appreciate it. Thank you for giving me the opportunity. Mm. So uh, just a final reminder, not a final reminder, just a other urgent reminder for to everyone of our listeners that Borderlands will have its massive book sale the 6th, the 7th, and the 8th of October uh, at 30A uh, Pickett Street, in Footscray, in the Bluestone 
church uh, in the back of the still operating church, which is fronted on uh, Paisley Street. So for all of you knowing the area, please come and uh, buy a couple of books. There are really good books there. Thanks for listening to Think Again on 3CR Community Radio with me, Jacques Boulet, and with Kerry. Remember that if you want to send us a message or ask about anything from today's programme, you can email Borderlands, borders at borderlands.org.au. Just put Think Again in the subject line. Our programmes are available by podcast via our preferred your preferred podcast app, and on the 3CR website on 3crd.org.au. Meanwhile, stay tuned for Feel Your Pain by Kutcha Edwards. This country from a hard working man. Who am I? I need to understand. I You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.